Shalom again. Returning this morning to Garrett El Alharomim, the Epistle to the Romans, chapter nine. And I will be here to speak this week, the next week, and the following week. We will, in three weeks, be doing Romans chapter nine, ten, and eleven, which is. In the Lord's will, this timing is uh, really very good because these three chapters form a unit and they speak to us about the heart of the Shaliyah. And so if you want a title for what we're going to talk about this morning, it is the heart of the Shaliyah. A Shaliyah is someone who is sent. He is an apostle, an emissary. And Rav Shaul is an emissary to the world, with the good news of Messiah, Yeshua. And in Romans chapter 1 through 8, he has been unfolding the meaning of that apostleship that he has and of the good news that he is bringing to the Romans and to the Roman Empire. And he shows his passion, and his passion has been growing. And I think if you look at those Eight chapters, you can see how it begins with him describing this good news, this gospel, Besorah, that has been entrusted to him. And you can see his passion rising and coming to the surface until now we come to what is the heart of the apostle or the epistle, the epistle's apostle, apostle's epistle, uh, in chapters 9 through 11. As we enter this uh, section, we do not forget that we are at the 28th day of the Omer, and we have been commanded in Leviticus chapter 23 to count the days of the Omer, and so I would like to remind you that today is the 28th day of the Omer, making four weeks of the Omer. The counting of the Omer. On the 33rd day of the Omer will be Lagbe Omer. Many people will have bonfires in Israel and they will be uh, celebrating this special day in the midst of the Omer, which in some ways is a very sad time as people contemplate the tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people. But on this 33rd day, it will be a uh, day of celebration, but uh, it is an important time as we count down these 50 days towards Shavuot. Shavuot, a time when we remember the giving of the Torah, and as we remember the giving of the Torah, we cannot forget that in the Torah we have those portions that are read to us each week, and I Remember again the passage that Richard read to us this morning about the Egyptian. And so I've gone a little bit around, around about to get to the point of talking about the Egyptian that Richard read to us about a few minutes ago. And as with many scriptures, there are many different lessons to be drawn from any given passage and the rabbis draw one lesson out of this passage with this Egyptian, who is the son of an Israelite woman. 
They have a little difficulty that here he is described as an Egyptian who is the son of an Israelite woman because rabbis would like to say that Jewish descent comes only through the mother. But here he is an Egyptian who is the son of an Israelite woman. He did not, he did not count as one of Israel even though his mother was an Israelite. But they also point to the great tragedy that is obviously unfolding in Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 10 because there has been assimilation. There is a concern among the Jewish people for the survival of the Jewish people. And the reason is not just the same concern that any people group might have for its own survival. And I think in Canada we... We rightly mourn the loss of people groups, First Nations that have disappeared to many, to, to a large degree in certain parts of the country over the last century or two. We, we mourn the loss of people groups. But on the other hand, with the Jewish people, there is a sense that we have been given a calling by God. God has a purpose for us that is for blessing for the entire world. And therefore, the survival of the Jewish people is of supreme importance. And the rabbis see this as maybe a subtext in Leviticus 24 and verse 10. Here is an Egyptian. He is, he is the product of an assimilated home. And he is blaspheming the Lord. He is turning away from the Lord. Rav Shaul has this passion for the survival of his people. Rav Shaul has a passion for Israel. It's a passion that many Jewish people feel burning within their hearts. That Israel should go on. We cry out, Am Yisrael Chai. The people of Israel live. I remember being in Krakow a number of years ago with my wife. And we walked around Kazimierz that used to be a famous Jewish neighborhood in Krakow. And we heard about how the Polish people would cry out about how the Jews owned all the houses in Krakow, but they ruled the streets. And tragically, the Jewish community in Krakow during the Second World War was destroyed. And some among the Polish people, and by no means all, and we need to be clear on that, but some among the Jewish people rejoiced. And today you go around Kazimierz, and there are very few Jews. Most of the Jews that are there are Jews who have moved back in in recent years. And there are Jewish restaurants staffed and owned by Poles. And there are klezmer groups that are exclusively Polish. There are no Jewish performers. And it's a very sad thing for a Jewish person to walk into Kazimierz. And I expressed this to a friend of mine um, who's an Israeli, uh, but whose father comes from that part of Poland. And his answer was simply, Am Yisrael Chai. It may be sad, but the people of Israel live. Rav Shaul, in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, is passionate for Israel. This is the passion that has been boiling under Romans chapters 1 to 8. 
And now he's coming out explicitly and addressing it. I read from the Tree of Life version, and if anyone wants a copy, please let me know so that we can make an order for the Kehila, and uh, you will be able to purchase at a good discount um, if we are able to do so. So please let me know if you would like a copy of the Tree of Life version that is now available. But I read from the Tree of Life version, Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. I tell the truth in Messiah. I do not lie, my conscience assuring me in the Ruach HaKodesh that my sorrow is great and the anguish in my heart unending. For I would pray that I myself were cursed, banished from Messiah for the sake of my people, my own flesh and blood who are Israelites. To them belong the adoption and the glory and the covenants, and the giving of the Torah and the temple service, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, the Messiah, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. This is the passion of the apostle. He cares so much for Israel. He cares so much for God's purposes unfolding in Israel, but also for his own people, his flesh and blood, that he could wish that he himself were accursed. And here is not necessarily an explicit reference to hell, but what he is talking about, he would even wish that he was cut off from Messiah for the sake of his own people. And this is someone who lives and dies, willing, happy to die, so that he might be with the Messiah, but is willing to be cut off so that Messiah might be known by his own people. It is his desire that Israel should live up to its calling. The calling is shown in these verses that talk about the blessings that have been given to Israel. The adoption. God adopted Israel as his own. Glory, covenants, giving of the Torah. We will celebrate at Shavuot the giving of the Torah from Mount Sinai. The law was given to Israel. It's the defining moment that has made us who we are as a people. It is the fulfillment of the promises to the patriarchs in that God gave us the Torah so that we might fulfill his commission as a light to the nations. These blessings to them belong the patriarchs from them according to the flesh, Messiah who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. He enumerates these blessings. Now, Rav Shaul is is far from wanting to put the Jewish people and Israel on a pedestal. That's not his purpose. Far from him to glorify anyone other than the Almighty God and his son, Messiah, Yeshua. But these are the facts. This is what God has done in our world as he has taken Israel and has, as Rav Shaul has already mentioned a couple times in Romans, given Israel these great and special blessings. 
And Rav Shaul has great sorrow in his heart. And the sorrow is the Greek word lupe, which implies that it's not just an emotional thing, but it's a thought-through sorrow. It's a rational thing. He cares for the people of Israel. He wants to see Israel come to know the Messiah. And this is the apostle to the Gentiles. He cares that the gospel should go to the nations. He is known for having this apostleship to bring the good news of the gospel to the entire world. But he cares for his own people. And it burns within his heart. One of the the blessings to me of Kehilatzion is that here we are, both Jews and Gentiles, who love Hashem and who can acknowledge these verses and thank the Lord for his love for all the nations and for Israel. For so much in so many in the world have forgotten that God does still and always will have a heart for the children of Israel. And so Rav Shaul has a great, a great sorrow. He has shown his heart. But in the midst of that, we have the heart of humanity. And in verses 6 to 13, we see the issue of the heart of the individual and the importance of that heart that the individual has. You see, it's not enough to have all of these blessings. And many of us have different blessings that I believe God has gifted different peoples around the world with. Um, We have great heritages in which we can rejoice. And some of us come from heritages from countries that have for centuries acknowledged the Messiahship of Yeshua, the Messiah. And these are things to rejoice in. But in the midst of all of that, Rav Shaul points to the importance of our own heart. How is our own heart tuned in to God, the heart of humanity? And Rav Shaul says in verse 6, It's not as though the word of God has failed, for not all those who are descended from Israel are Israel nor are they all children, because they are Abraham's seed. You see, the Romans are looking at the people of Israel, and they are realizing that, well, historians say, there were probably at least, they they can count at least 11 synagogues in the city of Rome in that day. So they're looking at these 11 or more synagogues in the city of Rome, And they're saying, there are precious few Jews in these congregations, these kehilot, that are worshipping Messiah Yeshua. Messiah Yeshua has been rejected by the Jewish people. And particularly those who are not Jewish in that congregation in Rome are looking at that and saying, why is it that we should have such a heart for these people? When God has clearly moved in, he's moved on, and now he has shown his mercy to the Gentiles. And Rav Shaul says, it is a matter of the heart. There are those among the people of Israel who have a real heart for God, 
It's what we call the, the remnant of Israel that Rav Shaul will bring up later on. These are the few. These are the ones who have remained faithful to Hashem, to the Lord, who have worshipped Him with all of their heart. And Rav Shaul points to something that isn't actually a foreign thought within Judaism, that among the people of Israel, there are those who truly are righteous. It's um, a reminder that there are some who truly are Abraham's seed in more than one sense. He's not denying in these verses here that Abraham has physical descendants. He is not denying, as some would try to do, that the people of Israel do still live as a physical nation. But within the people of Israel, he is saying there are some who really are the epitome of what it is to be Israel. These are the true Israel, those who have faith in Messiah Yeshua, the children of the promise. This is what he says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 8. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God. The children of the flesh are acknowledged. Rather, the children of the promise are counted as seed. And what is the blessing to Abraham? In thy seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God is doing great things in our day as more and more Jewish people around the world are coming to faith in Messiah, Yeshua. I think we have the tip of the iceberg in the Messianic Jewish movement. But you can go from church to church, you can go from community to community, and you will meet those Jewish people who have come to faith in Messiah, Yeshua. Now, I would love them all to come to Keilat Sion and to form other Messianic Jewish congregations. That would be, to me, the right thing. But they exist. Jewish people who follow Messiah Yeshua. They are counted as seed. For the word of the promise is this, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. There is, as it were, an Israel within Israel. I used to feel kind of intimidated when I went to synagogue. As a believer, I grew up in a home, as you know, where my parents taught me from the time I could understand that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. And I accepted him as my Messiah when I was seven years old. In my room, top bunk, um, my brother down below, if you've met Benjamin, and uh, 9 p.m. at night, 52 Hammersmith Grove, uh, W6, London. And, uh, and there I was. I, I, I believed But in the midst of it, um, here is that that choice. I lost where I was going. But uh, nevertheless, God has called among himself a remnant. And now I'm back on track. I used to feel a little uncomfortable going into synagogue. And I used to think, if they knew what I believe, would they really welcome me here? 
So then it does not depend on the one who wills or the one who strives, but on God who shows mercy. This is actually a very comforting thought. There is God who is reaching out, and it all depends on him. Rav Shaul is going to bring up something very difficult, because God has allowed it that Israel should be in the state that Israel is in today. God is a compassionate God. In Exodus 33 and verse 19, we have those compassionate attributes of God that are, are listed for us, that are always remembered in a Jewish prayer service, and particularly when the high holy days come. Exodus 33 and verse 19, the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you and call out the name of Adonai before you. I will be gracious toward whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will be merciful. And the Lord showed him his attributes that day, what we call the 13 attributes of mercy. God is a merciful God, and he intended and wants his attributes of mercy to be understood. But there is also a sense in which God is God over a fallen world and has allowed, permitted evil to exist our world as a necessary counterpart to allowing us to make a choice to follow him. It's necessary that the choice to turn away from him exists in order that we might make a choice to follow him. And so we are told it doesn't depend on the one who wills or the one who strives. It's not all depending on us, but on God who shows mercy. God reaches down in his mercy towards us. And yet God allows and even hardens the hearts of some. For this very purpose I have raised you up to demonstrate my power in you so my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And what Rav Shaul is going to unveil is the fact that just as Pharaoh's heart was hardened so that all of the world might see the glory of God as God judged the Egyptians and as Israel was brought out in a great redemption out of the land of Egypt. uh, uh, Rav Shaul is bringing out a very hard truth that God has allowed Israel not to see their Messiah, so that a greater glory might come out of it, so greater good might come out of it, so that all the nations might understand who God is. And so we don't have a right to question God. We as Jews would really like to question God. And Rav Shaul is passionate and wishes that his own people believed in Messiah Yeshua. And yet he has to acknowledge That God is righteous. God is true. And if God has allowed this to happen, it is in his will and it is his right to let it happen. And so he says in verse 21, does the potter have the right over the clay? 
Does the potter have no right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor and another for common use? What if God, willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath designed for destruction? And what if he did so to make known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory? It's very important to notice the word if here. He's not saying that God has deliberately consigned Israel to destruction. That is not what he's saying. But he's saying that God has the right and the prerogative to do so if he should so will. And Rav Shaul is living in a world where he can see already in the first century, and the letter to the Romans is written sometime between 55 and 58 So it's very early. We're talking 25 years after Yeshua went to be with the Father. He can already see the trend developing. The nations are accepting the good news. But he's having a hard time convincing Israel. He's having a hard time convincing the Jewish people. And he's saying, in the midst of this, God has the right to cause this even to happen so that his name might be glorified, so the good news might go forth. We, as people, need to have a heart to turn towards God. God still has a heart for us, whether Jew or Gentile. And so we read in verse 24, Even us he called, not only from the Jewish people, but also from the Gentiles. And so he writes to these Romans, both Jews and Gentiles, in the Keilah in Rome. And as he writes to them, he says, here we are, Jews and Gentiles, we have all been called. And some of us have been called from the tribes of Israel. And others of us have been called from the nations. And we have no right to question God as to what has happened to Israel, but we can rejoice in what he has done. And this is one of the things that we can rejoice in. And Rav Shaul turns us to the book of Hosea with its story of a prophet who ends up marrying an unfaithful woman, a Zonah, and, and, and this unfaithful woman is, of course, unfaithful to him. And the prophet suffers great pain, but nevertheless reaches out repeatedly to bring his wife back to himself, to show that this is the love of God. And in Hosea, the message is, I will call those who are not my people, my people. This is the heart of God. Hosea is like the heart of God who reaches out to us even though we are unworthy, even though we are unfaithful, and calls us back. And here is the heart of God who is looking out over a world that since the days of Noah has turned against him, with Israel standing as a light among the nations, the nations that have turned their back on him for for maybe a thousand or two thousand years now, two thousand years. And he says, I will call those who are not my people, my people, and her who was not loved, beloved. And it shall be in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, lo ami, 
There they shall be called sons of the living God. And this is the wonderful thing that God is doing around the world. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love Israel. Rav Shaul is passionate for Israel as well. But God has brought this good news to the nations of the world. And when we look at Israel, we realize that we have a promise being fulfilled even today. Though the numbers of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only the remnant shall be saved. For the Lord will carry out his word upon the earth, bringing it to an end and finishing quickly. There will be a remnant. This is what Rav Shaul is going to focus on throughout these three chapters. God has always called some to himself. There are many people who think that it is maybe because of their own faithfulness to God that they might be uh, considered worthy before the Lord. Even back in the times of Yeshua, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, predating Yeshua, it was written in the scrolls and in some praise psalms that it is by thy goodness alone that man is justified and by the immensity of thy mercy. For thou wilt adorn him with thy brightness and fill him with abundance of pleasure, with everlasting joy and length of days. For you have sworn it and your word shall not turn back. It is by the mercies of God that we are drawn towards him. It is not by our own deeds. Even the ancients understood this. And Rav Shaul is saying this. Though the sands, though the number of the sons of Israel is as the sand of the sea, only the remnant shall be saved. We need to turn to Hashem in faith. This is what he points to in verses 30 to the end of the chapter. What shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, that is, a righteousness of faith? Rav Shahul is dealing in a world where the Jews would like the Gentiles to keep Torah. The Jewish believers probably think that's the right thing to do. The Gentiles are saying, no, we don't necessarily have to keep Torah, we don't have to keep all these commands, and and Rav Shaul is saying, but on the other hand, remember chapter 6, chas v'shalom, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's reminding them that doesn't mean you live in a lawless way. God still requires something of us. But he's pointing to this fact that as Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, um, they nevertheless attained it. And here is Israel, who's known for keeping the Torah. And even today, although most Jews in North America and Canada are not particularly Torah observant, nevertheless, Jews are known as those who value the Torah. It's somehow tied to our identity. Nevertheless, did not reach the Torah. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. It is by faith that we are saved as Rav Shaul. 
They stumbled over the stone of stumbling, just as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. Rav Shaul has a passion for Israel. He doesn't want Israel to be put to shame. He wants Israel to come to faith in the Messiah. But Israel has come to a dividing point where God has now revealed his Messiah to Israel, and Israel has to make a choice. And in the midst of that choice, some have believed and some have chosen not to believe. And Rav Rav Shaul is saying, Messiah has become a stone of offense. Many of our people have not believed in him. This is his passion to see Israel come to Messiah. He has a heart for God. He has a heart for the Messiah. He has a heart for Israel. And he says, Israel needs to hear this good news. Israel needs to come to Messiah in faith. We have a great message. We have a great record here in in the scriptures of the heart of Hashem who draws us towards Messiah. We can thank Hashem for revealing Messiah to us. And in the midst of all of this, we can see the same passion that Rav Shaul has in in our own Kehillah, where we have this love for the people of Israel, where we have this hope that Israel too might hear this good news and turn to Messiah Yeshua, who has for so long been for our people a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. So my prayer is that God might give us each that heart to reach our people, and that as we pray that God might open doors to us to have relationships with Jewish people so that we might explain to them and be used by God to bring to our Jewish people this good news of Messiah. And for each one of us, too, to remember the importance of faith, turning to Hashem for Jews so that we might be that true Israel that really has believed, and for those among the nations so that we might be called God's people, those who are not a people, now my people, What a great calling he has given to us, and what a great opportunity to turn to him in faith. Avinu Sheva Shemaim, we thank you for Messiah Yeshua, who has come to us, and who has been revealed to us, and who has been shown to be the way of life for Israel and for all the nations. And Father, we pray that this good news might go forth from our Kehillah and from our own hearts and lives more and more as we seek to live for him in our day-to-day existence. Father, we pray that you might give us opportunities to live our life of faith before the world around us, both Jews and Gentiles. We pray, Lord, that we might see more and more people from among the nations being drawn to you, and people from among your people Israel, recognizing Messiah Yeshua, your revelation of yourself.
to your people Israel. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen.